0: How did you learn about crypto? What were some of the things you were doing before it? And really, what was that like um, thing that attracted you to come into this space?
1: I grew up playing music. I was a music major. I love music. Everything was about music. I thought tech was just for nerds. It was like the last thing on the planet I wanted to do. Um, at the same time, uh, when I was growing up, um, I came across... Napster. I don't know if you remember. Uh, And Napster was this really like it changed the world today. So anyone who's younger may just already benefit from being able to go online, the Internet, TikTok, Instagram, whatever, YouTube, and listen to any song you want before that just like over a decade and a half ago like not that long ago the only way to get music was to go to a record store and you know as like a teenager i would go and it would be so much money (laughs) like that was like like two weeks of allowance and you just have like one album at a time so the moment for me as just someone who loves music and who loves being in bands um to see this technology come along napster all of a sudden with Napster, what they did, the key innovation that really changed the world was allowing me to connect directly to you or any one person and swap music, right?
2: But I grew up on a little farm in Ohio. And um, I first started thinking about data ownership when I was a kid. Um, when I was in school, that was around when peer to peer file sharing first popped off. And my father's an intellectual property attorney. And so, in order to explore tools like Napster and Limeware and Bear Share, I had to make a presentation to my parents about the Fair use statute and why my proposed usage of these tools, these file sharing tools, constituted an educational, non uh, commercial use case.
3: I grew up in Massachusetts, went to school on the East Coast, worked in Boston for a few years, and then moved to Silicon Valley in 2013 and was looking to work in tech, uh, something that I kind of always wanted to do. And the first year I was working at a SaaS company and Read the Bitcoin white paper and ultimately got really excited about Bitcoin and and the potential for cryptocurrencies as a new
4: computing platform, right? I learned about crypto for the first time in 2016. You know, I started reading up about Bitcoin. I didn't know that Ethereum was a thing. And um, I got to the point where I was just having so much fun thinking about what a peer to peer money technology could look like that um, I used to have just diagrams and paper just like pinned up on my wall. And I would just like think about this stuff nonstop.
5: Um, so before this, uh, I was a high school teacher, uh, an English teacher living in, uh, Myanmar. Um, and for the last, uh, 10 years or so I've, I've been doing, uh, not that role exactly, but, uh, international teaching roles. Uh, I, I'd lived in, um, South Korea before uh, Myanmar, and uh, now located in uh, Costa Rica with my partner. I, I've always sort of wanted to try these these kind of new things, different things. I've never been too comfortable or satisfied just kind of doing the the normal thing, the status quo. I'm talking mainly when it comes to uh, my job. Uh, what I'm whatever I'm doing at the time. Uh, My first job was, I I went to school for creative writing. I ended up uh, graduating and working uh, as an accountant in a a large US bank. Um, Totally not my background at all, uh, but it was an interesting year to learn about that world. It was actually in 2008. uh, So I was seeing the financial meltdown from from that perspective. I decided it it just wasn't for me Uh, and so I quit that job and for a while I was a um, kind of a semi-professional online poker player. And during that time I I was sort of planning what my next phase would be. I think I I knew right away like uh, I wasn't going to be a professional, a committed professional poker player
0: and, and go down that route. I think I've always been attracted to crypto. I was, uh, my my early career and not, a, not even career, I was in school, I was trying to earn money online and I had hard times receiving that because, oh, you need to have a passport to get in like a financial account somewhere. And I was, I was struggling through all the services uh, like, oh, okay, this one allows me to uh, create an account without a passport, and do not more than $100 on that and all that stuff. And then when I finally learned about crypto, that was very early in my life, in second year of university. But
4: I was in college at the time, life got in the way, uh, kind of dropped off my radar um, up until sort of late 2017, right before the ICO bull market. And I had a friend who was doing some sort of freelance work Uh, in the crypto space over the summer and was sort of disillusioned with school and kind of wanted to turn his um, sort of part-time gig into uh, a full-time company. Another one of my friends was a high school dropout and he was running a company. And so we kind of put our heads together and I thought it would be like a, a fun way to sort of pass the time while I, you know, finished up college.
3: Crypto was the next big wave in technology. And I think it was a little early on that, and um, arguably it's still pretty early for crypto. But um, Coinbase ended up being the kind of like right place at the right time, at least within the crypto ecosystem. And I was there for a total of five years. And then in 2019, left, took some time off. And while I was off, reconnected with a, an ex-Coinbase colleague of mine, Varun Srinivasan,
1: and we started working on some new you know, potential ideas for a new project. So we could swap music over the internet the same way we might just share files, right? Swap, right? We don't have to go through the middle person. And that's called peer to peer or P2P, right? So this idea of you and me, we don't need a middle person, right? Um, that blew my mind. And as a musician, just seeing all the possibilities for as a creator, how I could directly communicate with my fans or like potential fans um, and learn about new bands was like eye-opening. So I immediately um, switched, (laughs) switched my study path. I ended up doing my master's in something called new media. My study was distributed system culture. So what that means is like the culture of people in P2P networks. So what do P2P networks do to society? How, you know, how does BitTorrent change music? Um, and during that study, right around the time, that's when the Bitcoin white paper was released. And so when I saw Bitcoin and I was studying P2P networks, I thought, okay, if Napster is P2P, person-to-person music sharing, I get it. Like Bitcoin is person-to-person money. Okay, right?
2: Um So a few years later, when I I was an undergrad, um, I continued to be fascinated by the legal wrappers that we could use to make data more free. So beyond the Fair Use statute, learning about things like Creative Commons licenses um, and MIT licenses to extend the uh, shareability and composability of our ideas. Um, I had the absolute best professor in the universe of all time, uh, a woman named Elizabeth Stark, who introduced me to the free and open source software community, to entrepreneurship, and perhaps most crucially, the idea of censorship-resistant networks. Um, So when I was in school, it was around that time as well that the Arab Spring was happening. And I remember that I believe it was the Tunisian government all but turned off access to the internet. And we saw peer-to-peer technologies emerging in different ways, messaging apps like FireChat that could use Bluetooth to pass signals from one device to another, hopping from phone to phone to approximate a mesh network when no larger network was available. And so the idea that human resilience and human coordination can supersede even authoritarian states and the downfall of nations, um, that was a really inspiring idea for me.
0: And I read the Bitcoin white paper. It was, OK, that's a digital cash uh, cross-border and doesn't, doesn't depend on any institution. Oh, wow, that, that is great. And I'm an engineer by my background. And that was that felt especially good. That now we could just engineer the financial system rather than rely on on a, on a bank on a, on some institutions that are run by people. So it was appealing to that part of my my personality when something is just autonomous and created by engineers by people like me, not by people like that wear suits.
5: I, I started volunteering. I was
0: I was teaching uh,
5: at a uh, English as a second language center. And through there, discovered the opportunity to uh, teach abroad. And shortly after that, uh, I was on a plane to uh, South Korea. And that started my international uh, teaching uh, career. So I guess just all this to say, like, something like crypto, I think, really drew me in uh, immediately just seeing it as this kind of a a frontier, a new frontier, um, similar in a way to Online poker was at the time, or international teaching, something maybe that was a little less explored than other areas. And so because it's less explored, presents these very unique and fun uh, and uh, yeah, interesting opportunities. So I think that's what drew me both to crypto at, like philosophically and sort of as it as a personality wise. And then, kind of led me into this uh, DAO and crypto space. Uh,
2: it was around the same time that I was doing my undergraduate thesis work on um, exploring the expression of identity across different digital platforms and persistent environments. So, understanding how we show up differently on Twitter, on Facebook, on Chat Roulette, even in World of Warcraft. Um, So I spent a lot of time thinking about the selective disclosure that we do as humans, deciding what parts of ourselves to share where. And it was around that time that I really started to understand the fact that there's an entire internet uh, sort of data market happening about us without us. Um, I spent a few years working on human-computer interaction through connected devices, so early connected devices like, you know, home hardware, like toothbrushes and mirrors, um, as well as uh, working on early autonomous vehicle experience design. Um, I also spent a little time working with another one of my beloved professors at Berkshire Hathaway uh, before I spent a little under five years at Consensus, working on Ethereum ecosystem development um, and really where I solidified a lot of the ideas that I have and philosophies that I hold about identity as it can exist in Web3. Um, but to sort of back up, what really captured my imagination about the self-sovereign future, about a connected um, world where we could live and show up in any digital or physical environment and receive a personalized experience. All of that comes from when I first fell in love with Bitcoin because it allowed us to generate identities that could interact with others and prove things without having to ask for anybody's permission. And so before I knew the term Web3 or you know could even envision this uh, the incredible landscape in which we work now, it was that first instance of a censorship-resistant network with autonomous key pairs um, in a manner that was more, uh, that that offered an alternative settlement layer to the carceral state. Like, that was pretty wild for me.
3: And the idea that we both got excited about was answering the question, how could you make RSS competitive with Twitter? And so the initial name of the project was RSS Plus, and that ultimately turned into Farcaster, which we've been working on for the last two years.
0: And I fell down the rabbit hole um, since then I'm in crypto, it was 2012, it was, it was 10 years ago.
4: You know, then the money started rolling in and uh, you know, I got really invested into the space and got pulled down the rabbit hole. And I, I made this decision to, okay, I'm going to not accept this job and I'm just going to fully dive down the crypto rabbit hole. And we did. And so I did that for about a year and a half uh first time running a company you know i was the oldest person on the team at like you know 21 22. so uh we made a lot of mistakes and about a year and a half in we had to shutter the company and i just kind of got burned out from from crypto i got burned out from you know being in the space uh, i ended up heading over to a uh, bay area SaaS company for about a year and a half there as a writer as with most things in crypto, it's you know once you get into the space it's really hard to get out Uh, and so about a year and a half into this company i got bored of the work that i was doing even though it was like super technical and super interesting and it wasn't the same as crypto and so i was gearing up to quit my job and just do some freelance technical writing but just around when i was about to make that switch bankless Down launched and just the amount of like enthusiasm energy that was a signal for me right and i basically just quit my job yeah i took a leap of faith and my life has really not been the same since